Blog Talk Radio. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. I had to force myself to say happy Saturday and not my traditional happy Friday. Uh, Yesterday, a bunch of uh, technical difficulties and scheduling conflicts uh, conspired to keep me from doing my show. So here I am today, and I thank you for joining me. And in fact, one of the reasons I was um, in a conflict yesterday was I was invited by the folks at a Tel Aviv-based television program called I-24 News to debate an immigration lawyer about President Trump's promise or perhaps threat to send the aliens flooding across the southern border to sanctuary cities. And and I want to spend some time uh, addressing that issue, the debate yesterday, where we are and uh, what we need to do from this point forward. But first of all, um, those of you who are familiar with me know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, uh, an agency that was sliced, diced, and reconstituted when President George W. Bush created what came to be known as the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, I was so disgusted with the execution of the whole process that I came to call DHS the Department of Homeland Surrender. But in any event, uh, I served 30 years with the old INS in many capacities. I was an immigration inspector, spent the years in adjudications officer, and uh, spent um, the balance of my career rotating through all the squads within the investigations branch, uh, and even had a couple of unique opportunities, including uh, having been the first INS agent to be assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration in New York City, And then I spent the final 10 years of my career as a senior INS special agent assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. There's a very clear nexus between terrorism, narcotics trafficking, international fugitives, and the various elements of immigration law enforcement that includes, but is not limited to our southern border, northern border, international airports, and our 95,000 miles of coastline, which is why, of course, I've come to make it clear that America has 50, not four, border states. Any state that lies along northern or southern borders has access to the coastline or has international airports. In point of fact, all must be considered uh, border states. So uh, my mission, if you will, ever since the attacks of 9-11, has been to share my experiences, my perspectives that were acquired in the real world, not the fantasy world of academia, not the makeup world of the politicians who frequently have no idea where the truth is. Um, They're just out there peddling uh, promises they know they can't keep. Uh, If businesses conducted themselves the way that most of our politicians conduct themselves, not only would they be out of business, but they'd be uh, spending considerable time in the gray bar inn. And so based on my many years of experience, Uh, And having then testified before, I believe we're now up to 17 congressional hearings in the House and Senate, as well as legislative hearings around the United States. And I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission as well. 
So I call upon that background to provide you every week with the information that the mainstream media abjectly refuses to provide. It's disgraceful. It's dangerous. It's anti-American. Uh, it has divided America in ways that we should never have been divided. Immigration is not a left-right issue. In point of fact, I am registered as a Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. The wheels came off their wagon a long time ago when they decided to knife hardworking American workers in the back. Uh, you know, there was a time when there was a clear delineation between Democrats and Republicans. And the delineation was reasonable, it was rational, rational and understandable. Boy, I'm trying to combine words tonight. Um, businesses have concerns that are easy to understand. They want the fewest regulations, the cheapest employees, the cheapest overhead, so they can make the maximum profit. Businesses all exist for a common purpose, to turn a profit. If they are nonprofit organizations, somebody screwed up, okay? So we get that. But on the other hand, people who go to work for a living also have concerns. They want to be able to support themselves and their families. So the delineation was clear. And it made sense that the Democrats looked out for the interests of the average working American and the Republican Party looked out for the interests of the average business owner. When the Democrats decided that they didn't give a rat's tail about American workers, that we could import tons of foreign workers into the country, which pleased the business owners, but destroyed opportunities for millions of Americans rather than standing up for the Americans and saying, hey, you know, we represent the working men and women of America. We're going to fight back, which they used to do. The Democrats, kind of like in that movie when Harry met Sally, jumped on the open borders bandwagon, pointed to the Republicans and said, yeah, we'll have what they're having. So when I hear this nonsense about, oh, conservative Republicans are going to protect America from illegal immigration, they're the ones that opened the door in the first place looking for cheap, exploitable labor. Let's be blunt. There's no time here, folks, to BS each other. We, we are in a true crisis. And when you have the leadership of both parties secretly, as far as I'm concerned, colluding with one another and saying how wonderful that we could import Loads and loads and loads, immeasurable numbers of foreign workers and, and, and potential, and we hear this all the time, the potential voters the Democrats want. Well, the Democrats are doing something else. They've done the math and they realize that if you destroy the middle class, you turn the people who used to be middle class conservatives into people that will vote for the Democratic Party because they're desperate to support themselves. And the only way to do it under this insanity is to look for government handouts, which, of course, the Republicans won't provide, but the Democrats are all too happy to provide. Of course, the idea for the Democrats, this $15 an hour minimum wage that they're so eager to promote, really isn't a minimum wage, because if they get their way, it will become America's standard wage. Alan Greenspan, and I've quoted him many times, testified for Schumer back in April of 2009, 10 years ago, referred to American high-tech, high-skilled highly educated American workers as the privileged elite and bemoaned the fact that they were making too much damn money. And he said, there's too much money being concentrated in that sector of the economy. And the solution to getting that money out of the middle class, of course, he didn't say the middle class is to make American high tech workers compete with foreign workers. And through this process of competition on a global scale, 
we could slash that wage premium that the middle class high tech workers are earning, and then we could push towards greater equality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. Let's cut to the chase. The goal is the engineered destruction of the middle class. And when you look at people like Bob Goodlatte, whose son got his start with, with Zuckerberg at Facebook and would love to have thousands, if not millions, of Indian programmers come to America because they'll work for probably one-third the wage of an American, we disincentivize success in America. America is supposed to be a meritocracy. Make the playing field level, give everybody an opportunity, as Ed Koch once said. I, I would argue New York's best mayor that we ever had. And he said, I'm an old-time liberal. He said, you level the playing field, you let everyone play, and then whoever wins, wins. But today, the people who are winning aren't even citizens of the United States. They're foreign workers coming to the United States. They're being treated terribly. But by comparison with the crap they have to contend with in their own country, coming to America is a win. And when you flood America with foreign workers, who, by the way, send tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in remittances and other ways of moving money out of the country, you, you greatly contribute to America's national debt. You destroy the middle class. You destroy the um, tax base that we depend on to finance our government, adding to the debt. Um, and you disincentivize kids going to college. And you look at the student loans that kids are paying. And, and those student loans look more like mortgage payments. Then when they get out of college, there's no jobs because we're importing the high-tech workers. You're better off doing menial work because at least if, if – if, and, and I don't – people always use this analogy, and I, I hate doing it because where would we be anytime there's a strike and New York sanitation workers aren't there? Um, the health hazards are, are immense. You know, they, they, the people who drive those trucks, the sanitation trucks, perform an invaluable service to our communities. They keep us well. That's why if you look at the side of the New York sanitation trucks, it, it's got the emblem of, of the medical profession right on it because they understand the nexus between sanitation and health. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about sanitation, health, and, and uh, epidemics momentarily. But you're better off taking that job right out of high school without going to college because the money, if the Democrats have their way and the Republicans have their way, will be about the same as though you had a master's degree, except you won't have a student loan and you get to work at the age of 18 instead of the age of 23 or 24 with no encumbrant loans, and you're paying into a pension system immediately. Why would you bother going to college? We are intentionally destroying opportunities for American children across the board so that the very wealthy and the power-hungry can make more money and have more power right up until the point where they destroy America. I consider those bums to be analogous to a cancerous tumor. Cancer has an insatiable appetite for nutrients. In fact, if you know anything about cancer, uh, it, cancerous tumors very often secrete hormones that cause the body to envelop the tumor with blood vessels so it can bathe the nutrients. And that tumor becomes the most successful uh, organ, so to speak, in its victim's body right up until the day it kills the victim, and then it's buried along with its victim. The people who are the billionaires, the people who believe they're the masters of the universe, are not unlike the cancerous malignancy. They have an insatiable appetite for wealth, and they will stop at nothing to acquire it. It's not that they're hungry. The guy that robs a store 
and, and, and grabs a container of milk and loaf of bread is in trouble. You can understand his motivation or her motivation. But when you have billionaires destroying America so they can amass even more wealth and more power, these are sociopaths. They're not heroes. That's a distortion of the American dream, and it's a distortion of capitalism. We've been putting mom-and-pop stores out of business left and right so the big box stores can destroy them. And now we're doing the same thing with kids who want to get those degrees and go into high-tech industries. We're disincentivizing it when you realize that you have kids who 20 years after they graduate are still paying off student loans that they can't afford to pay. The student loan debt in America is second only to mortgages from the private standpoint. And what are we getting for the money if we're not providing the opportunities for Americans and making them compete with foreign workers? This is such a betrayal of America, Americans, and the American dream. It is a national act of suicide. But if you dare speak your mind on the issue, you're going to be accused of being anti-immigrant and xenophobic and a hater, and the list goes on. Don't you dare stand up for yourself because that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to roll over and play dead so we can be steamrolled by the globalists. That's where we are today. And in this quest for globalism, we've opened up our country to a point where we were attacked multiple times by terrorists who easily entered the United States and embedded themselves in our country. The 9-11 Commission was crystal clear about it. The 9-11 Commission made it clear that first and foremost, 9-11 and other terrorist attacks that they studied were directly, directly, let me use that word a third time, directly attributable to multiple failures of an immigration system that neither political party has any intentions of addressing other than to find more incentives for more people to come to America and hopefully create a massive amnesty program because politicians on both sides of the aisle are either taking money from immigration lawyers or are immigration lawyers. So when they see millions of people headed our way, they don't see a problem. They see crowded waiting rooms for their clients. That's what they see. That's why there's a push for comprehensive immigration reform. This wouldn't get anybody out of the shadows. The bills that have been floated in the past that fortunately were thus far defeated did not call for the hiring of one more immigration agent. You get people out of the shadows, the criminals, the terrorists, the fugitives, not by offering green cards because they wouldn't get them. They're not coming out of the shadows any day soon, I promise you. You have to go and hunt them down and arrest them. How do I know? I spent many years doing just that. I am proud to tell you that I've been involved with the arrest of thousands of aliens who had no right to be in the United States and or violated criminal statutes. It wasn't just about deporting them, but prosecuting them and putting them in jail where they belong for their crimes. But if you do that today, uh, Governor Cuomo, genius Andy, says, oh, they're thugs. Right. <laughs> the immigration agents who stand between America and transnational criminals and terrorists and fugitives and people taking the jobs Americans need, the agents are the thugs. The agents are the thugs. The 9-11 Commission said that interior enforcement was all but non-existent and caused us to miss multiple opportunities to stop terrorist attacks. 
And if Cuomo had his way, if the Democrats had their way, there would be no immigration agents for the entire country. They want to leave America absolutely, totally, completely defensive, defenseless. But so do the Republicans. Why do you think you have 6,000 ICE agents for an entire country and half of those agents are doing customs work, not immigration work? The C in ICE is customs. Customs has absolutely nothing to do with immigration law enforcement. Customs used to be under the Treasury Department. Immigration was under the Justice Department. Customs is all about duties and tariffs and taxes. Immigration was about preventing the entry of people or facilitating the entry of people who statutorily were governed by, by laws that were designed to keep out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, uh, or aliens who had defrauded the immigration system or had been previously deported. And then you get to the aliens who would take the jobs Americans need, or aliens who would become a public charge. That is to say, couldn't support themselves. Nothing wrong with that law. Nothing wrong with that law at all. You get on an airplane, you pay for the ticket. You go to the movies, you pay for the ticket. You want to come to America, support yourself. If you look at the pictures of Ellis Island, I've written about this in other articles, it was a grand staircase as you entered the main hall. That staircase was a cardio test, believe it or not, because 100 years ago, no one had EKGs. So they positioned doctors and nurses and public health officials on the staircase. And if people couldn't get up the stairs without huffing and puffing and wheezing, they were sent home because it was obvious they were not healthy enough, strong enough to support themselves. Because back then, almost all work involved manual labor. But yet today, all we hear about is how they closed Ellis Island. Point of fact, if you reopened it, these open borders anarchists would be suing to close it again. But it's a good fake narrative. It's all a fake narrative. We're a nation of immigrants. Yes, we're not a nation of trespassers. We admit more than a million lawful immigrants every year, but that's not enough for the globalists. They won't be happy till America has no borders. Now, how would that work out? We have countries that are our adversaries. China is not a partner. China is, is, is actually an adversary and probably the most serious adversary America faces. They're building up their nuclear naval fleet. They're building up their fighter planes, their weapons of war. They're building artificial islands in the South China Sea and arming them to the teeth. But we give the most favored trade status. We're imbeciles. We are run by crooks and crazy people. Crooks and crazy people. When our military vessels or military airplanes get too close to the Chinese artificial island, and I would add illegal artificial island, they threaten us. They buzz our airplanes. They buzz our ships. Yeah, friends do that all the time, right? You, you know, the last time Canada did that or Great Britain did that or Germany did that or Israel or Japan did that to us, right? Not. But we're so intent on cheap labor that the corporations have built their factories in China where they have slave labor that's virtual concentration camps. Now, when the people were so despondent that they jumped out the windows of the factories, China put up netting to catch the falling bodies. You have families living inside the factory. Imagine being a child in China living inside a factory. This is who we trade with. Don't tell me America takes the moral high ground. No, we've been taking the economic profit ground, and we're going to lose this one if we're not careful. We're spied on by Chinese hackers and uh, engineers 
We train their engineers. We've been training their computer programmers so they can do a better job of committing espionage and hack our computers. And when President Trump stands up to them, all that Wall Street can be fascinated with is, oh, my gosh, we have a trade war with China. What's going to happen? Hey, folks, if we're not careful, you could have a shooting war with China because I don't trust them. I don't trust people who send their spies as a matter of routine. In fact, their espionage is so routine that the intelligence services refer to Chinese espionage as Chinese takeout uh, using a bit of gallows humor. But there's nothing funny to be seen. But let's get back to the crisis today on that southern border. And believe me, it's a crisis. Again, 9-11 said, if you're letting people in, if you don't know who they are, you're creating a national security crisis. It's common sense. If you leave your doors open, you're going to get robbed. That's a crisis, I would think. I would think. But yet when the United States tries to um, develop sovereign borders, or at least President Trump tries to, He's criticized, he's insulted, he's blocked at every turn by the courts, he's blocked at every turn by both political parties. The Republicans control the House and Senate. Where's the wall? Where are more agents? You're not going to get more agents. I've had friends in Washington on Capitol Hill tell me you can't get an immigration bill passed if it calls for hiring more immigration agents. I want you to stop and think about that. For most of these lawyers on Capitol Hill, both parties, The solution to visa fraud is to hire more State Department agents, even though immigration agents can do the job. Why not immigration agents? Because immigration agents will actually arrest and deport illegal aliens and prosecute people who intentionally hire illegal aliens. And by the way, go after crooked immigration lawyers who who may conspire to violate sections of the immigration law, people engaging in marriage fraud, labor certification fraud, and so forth. How do you make sure that crooked lawyers don't get caught? You make sure there's no one out there hunting them down. Who hunts them down? Immigration agents. Do you think it's an accident that we have 6,000 ICE agents but 45 or 46,000 people at TSA? New York City has 37 or 38,000 police officers. The military has over a million men and women. ICE has 6,000. This is insane. When I was with Michael Chertoff, We both were at uh, Chapman Law School doing a debate about a decade ago. I was sitting in the back of the limo with Mike, and it was probably the longest 45 minutes of his life. And when I said we need more immigration agents, he said, where are you going to get the money from? I said, this is the United States of America. What do you mean, where are you going to get the money from? We have enough money to hire how many people for the military? And we hire how many people for the IRS? And how many people for all these other agencies? I said, you need immigration agents. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders. This is a failure by design. Um, Not that long ago, I wrote a major article for a publication, a quarterly, known as The Social Contract. I would suggest that after my program, go check out my article. It was called Sanctuary Country Immigration Failures by Design. Folks, it's not that our borders can't be secured. It's that they won't be secured because there are too many people who have too much power who are feeding at a very lucrative trough. The corporations want the cheap labor. The banks love America being looted by foreign workers because they get to move the money. And just like going to a moving company, they get paid for their efforts. So if they move money, they don't care if the money was earned by a surgeon who came to America to save a child's life or by a prostitute working in a brothel or a drug dealer who just consummated a drug deal. You move the money and you get your fees. 
And when they get charged with not reporting suspicious activities, they wind up paying fines, the bankers do, and they are seldom, if ever, prosecuted. And the fines can be in the billions, with a B, at the risk of sounding like Carl Sagan, the late astrophysicist. Billions of dollars, but they don't care. They just take it out of petty cash because the amount of money they're moving that gives them the ability to make so much more money is unbelievable. If you took the drug money and the money from foreign workers out of Wall Street, uh, banking and real estate, they would be taking a major hit. And it's remarkable that recently the realtors in New York were bemoaning the fact that foreign investors weren't investing as much in housing in Manhattan. There was a documentary done last year, I believe it was Dan Rather who did the documentary, about how super wealthy individuals from China and Russia, there we go again, China and Russia, the dynamic duo, who, by the way, are now working hand-in-glove with each other. Um, Guess who they have in their sights? I'll give you a hint. United States of America. And so they were buying up condos and not even living in those condos, just warehousing them. So a condominium that might cost five or six million dollars suddenly was jacked up to 40 million guess what americans who might have been able to afford the condo at five million you have couples that are professional people the husband is a surgeon the wife is a judge or a lawyer or whatever well this is out of their reach so they were forced out of that market and they went into brooklyn heights and other fashionable neighborhoods in the outer parts of new york and they forced housing up in terms of price there. Well, it was a ripple. So the people that were in those neighborhoods that weren't as wealthy but doing okay, they had to move to other neighborhoods, jacking up the prices in neighborhoods that started to become gentrified. And at the end of the day, who guess, guess who suffered the worst? America's poor and America's minorities. New York's poor and New York's minorities. Because they found themselves homeless. You look at San Francisco, homelessness and drug use and, and, and filth and squalor now destroys this beautiful city of San Francisco. I was there decades ago. I wouldn't go to San Francisco if you gave me a free airplane ticket. The insanity that we're witnessing in major cities is the direct result of greed that we've never seen before. The American dream used to be having a small house with maybe two cars in the driveway um, and you go to college or you send your kids to college. That was the American dream. Not huge, just a nice, decent way of life for as many people as possible. It's ironic, by the way, that the American dream that increasingly does not apply to Americans became the rallying cry for legislation. That was the con game, the Dream Act. And the A in Dream Act, to show you how big a con game it is, was alien, as in alien minors, but it was Jimmy Carter and those who followed in his crooked footsteps who said, don't you dare use the word alien to describe aliens unless you're talking about dreamers. But they hoped that the Americans would have a short memory, and we do. When they say to people, you know, the DREAM Act was an acronym, really? I thought it was about the American dream. I said, how in the world are illegal aliens entitled to the American dream? Oh, Mr. Cutler, we're a nation of immigrants. Sure. So we get to the point where we are now, no wall, craziness going on. The president declares a state of emergency. No shock, the Democrats are now suing the president to block the construction of the wall. No shock, a number of Republicans blocked to stand with the Democrats against President Trump declaring an emergency. 
The emergency was created by a willful refusal by our Congress to fund the construction of a wall to secure the border, not to prevent the entry of anybody, but to make certain that all who enter are vetted. That's all that this is about, folks. You know, people seem to lose sight because they hear a soundbite and we're, we're the nation of idiots who listen to soundbites. So when Pelosi said, oh, this is about racism. No, it's not. It's about making certain that everyone who enters the country and all cargo that comes into America is screened to make sure we're not letting in criminals, terrorists, and fugitives, to make sure we're not letting in weapons and narcotics or counterfeit drugs or counterfeit parts for airplanes or cars or whatever. That's what the, the inspections process is about. It's not based on race. It's not based on religion or ethnicity. If it was, I couldn't have done the job for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. So understand that the border wall is not designed to keep people from entering the United States. It wouldn't stop anybody from entering, but it would just make it, you know, you, you would have to come in legally, meaning an entry record is created and you're vetted and screened. So we make sure we're not letting in people that want to hurt us. That's racism. You see, the trick to the politicians, they throw a word out there. It doesn't have to have any relevance. It doesn't have to be appropriate. But there are enough people that will just hear that word and say, yes, she's right. It's about racism. No, it's not. No, it's not. And we have many people coming to the United States illegally through Mexico, and they're from all over the world, including countries that sponsor terrorism. I wrote an article not long ago how right now there are 50,000 aliens, special interest countries, countries affiliated with terrorism, who have been ordered deported from the United States, but they're still here, and we have no idea where they are. And with only 6,000 ICE agents and only half of them doing immigration work, if that many, we have no one to look for them. So God forbid, you'll wake up one morning, you'll find out there was a loud kaboom and thousands of dead bodies, and then everyone's going to run around and say, well, why didn't they connect the dots? Why didn't they connect the dots? How many times do we hear that after 9-11? Why weren't the dots connected? So the dots have been connected. And the president said we need a wall to control the flow of people into the United States. Oh, he's a racist. Oh, he's a bigot. Oh, he's Donald Trump. We're not going to do it. So President Trump said something, and I think he's doing it to really out these, Republic, these Democrats who, who are running these sanctuary cities. He said, okay. You want illegal aliens in your, in your towns? I'll send you all these aliens. And they're up in arms. Oh, my God, he's playing games with the lives of children and women and, and, and desperate people. Look what he's doing. If we can't deport them, why shouldn't they live in sanctuary cities? These are the cities whose leaders have told us we need these people. We had a, a, an interesting piece on CBS radio two days ago. They brought in some bozo from Crane's Business, which is a, a, a newspaper that focuses purely on business. God help us all. And they said, do we need the immigrants? Absolutely. We have the shortage. We need people. We have so many jobs and nobody to do the job. Everyone's forgetting that there are millions of Americans who have fallen off the, the radar scope because they've been out of work for so long they've given up looking. But we've got a shortage of workers. We need all the immigrants. And he says, you know, and so the, the, the newscaster said to the supposed <clears throat> journalist from Cranes, well, that's right. I guess these are the jobs Americans won't do. He says, oh, no, 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 no. The immigrants are neurosurgeons and they're biologists and they're programmers and engineers and scientists. Once again, the same game. 
we're not talking about illegal aliens. We're talking about the doctors and the, and the engineers and the scientists. These are immigrants. Of course they are. But nobody wants you to remember that we admit a million-plus lawful immigrants every year without this massive tsunami of people from the third world, many of whom have no formal educations and many of whom may be fugitives from justice in their home countries or elsewhere. So that was the first thing this guy said. They're not just doing menial work because our immigrants are brilliant. They're the smartest in the world. Yes, Americans are a bunch of imbeciles. We must be because we keep voting for the same idiots and crooks to represent us. And he said, they're doctors and they're engineers and they're scientists. We'd be lost without them. Right. We went to the moon 45 years ago with primitive technology, and it was done primarily by Americans. Yes, I know someone's going to say, yes, we had the Germans from Penamunda, and I I have issues with them because a bunch of them were war criminals. But think of how tightly we controlled them. That's why they were moved to an area where we could keep an eye on them at least for a number of decades as America made certain about their loyalties. But America has always been about immigrants. I'm first-generation American. There's nothing wrong with immigrants. I'm very much in favor of immigration. My position on immigration law enforcement is not, as the media would have you believe, anti-immigrant. Look at the choice of words. They've chosen up sides. It's anti-immigrant or pro-immigrant. If you want open borders and anarchy, you're declared a pro-immigrant, an immigration advocate. If you say, hey, let's make sure we don't let in criminals and terrorists and drugs, you're anti-immigrants. No. If you really want to delineate the debate honestly, but of course these reporters wouldn't know honesty uh, if, if you put a gun to their heads. Not that I'm recommending anyone does that before someone starts to misquote me. But if you really want to be honest, the debate should be pro-enforcement or anarchists. Because that's really wherein lies the debate. No one is saying, don't let in immigrants. Don't let in non-immigrant temporary visitors. What we're saying is make sure that we know what we're doing and we're not letting in people who want to hurt us. When the president said that he was not going to allow in aliens from countries who could not be vetted, immediately they called it a travel ban. And the president, because he's too often not as articulate as I wish he was, and it frustrates the hell out of me, he also came to call it a travel ban. It was an entry restriction. And to this day, and I don't care what news station you listen to, oh, these are the aliens from the Muslim-majority countries. That wasn't the issue. If President Trump wanted to keep Muslims out of the United States, he certainly should have put Indonesia on the list, because Indonesia is a Muslim-majority country, and its population approximates the combined population of all the countries on that list that he created. It wasn't the Muslim ban, but that's how the media reports it. And for the average American, who's probably doing two jobs, not one because they're trying to keep themselves economically afloat and ahead of the bill collector, they hear a phrase on the radio and they say, wow, I can't believe the president is doing that. Well, he's not. They're lying about it, but it doesn't much matter. Just like the Russian collusion thing. The president sarcastically said, Russia, if you're listening, release Hillary's emails. He was colluding with the Russians. Really? (laughs) I mean, this is the madness. You make a statement and then enough people who don't have the time to do their homework and give thought to what what they're hearing say, wow, that's unbelievable. It wasn't unbelievable. What's unbelievable is that people would be easy to stampede that way. 
There's a very entertaining movie. If you get a chance, I recommend you watch it. It's called Man of the Year. It stars the late Robin Williams. The guy was was a genius, a very troubled genius, as we found out. Terrible death that he um, suffered at his own hand. But he plays the part of a, of a talk show host who runs for president as a goof and because of a computer situation wins the presidency. Uh, I'm not going to give away more of the storyline. I'm not going to be a spoiler because I really hope that when you have time, you will watch the movie because it's, it's a very, very good film. I, 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 at least I enjoyed it. I'm not a movie critic. I don't even play one on TV, uh, but I, I thought it was a worthwhile film to watch. But during the campaign, his advisor says to him, here's what you have to do. Accuse your opponent of having sex with farm animals. And Robin Williams' character says, well, how in the world do I prove the guy's having sex with farm animals? I've never heard anything like that about him. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, that's the LBJ tactic. You make the accusation. Now you don't have to prove anything. He'll spend the rest of the campaign trying to prove he didn't. That's the game that's being played on President Trump. They make accusations, baseless accusations, doesn't matter if they're real, but now the media gets hold of it, it develops a life of its own, and everyone starts to believe that the lie is true because somebody said it. And when you hear people say, I've heard and they say, when you ask them where they got their ideas from, you understand how the game is played. I've heard, they say, and someone just said that the president did X, Y, or Z, so it must be true, or they wouldn't have said it on television. It's a sad state of affairs. But if you stop and think about what the president said that he might consider doing to send these aliens to the sanctuary cities, you know, violations of law happen because three things are present, opportunity, motive, um, and incentive or, or, or uh, means, forgive me. It's opportunity means and uh, incentive. So, it's clear that there are desperate people around the world. Make no mistake about it. Poverty is pervasive. The problem is you don't solve world hunger and world poverty by bringing the world's poor to the United States. It's like being on a lifeboat that's in you know, frigid, uh, rough seas, and sharks are gathering, and there's people out there for, you know, thrashing about, and they're trying to get into your boat, but your boat is filled to capacity. If you let more people in, the boat gets capsized, and everyone goes down. There's a lot of people in the water, make no mistake. But for far too long, the United States has been used as a safety valve by unscrupulous regimes of countries around the world. I debated this immigration lawyer yesterday. He said, well, the solution to the immigration crisis, America has to work with the governments of other countries. Sure thing. The other countries that are corrupt, the other countries that are depending on the remittances, the money being wired home by their citizens working illegally in our country. And then, of course, we hear, well, the president is cutting the, the aid to those countries. That's going to make things rougher on those citizens. No, it's not. It's going to have probably no effect on their citizens. You know why? Because the great majority of the money that America sends as foreign aid to third world countries goes into the pockets of the crooks and the politicians, often one and the same. Make no mistake about it. We send them foreign aid. They pocket the money and nothing ever changes. We empower those countries. If the young men who are working in America were forced to go back to their home country, they might have a revolution in that country and demand better opportunities for themselves and their countrymen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Instead, they're in America being treated like crap. 
I saw enough exploitation back when I was an agent. I felt bad for those aliens. The problem is we can't bring the world here. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so the president, and I, and I think it was, it was kind of an interesting move, said, okay, you want sanctuaries for these people? I'll send them to you. You seem happy to have them. And listen to the screaming. Listen to the screaming. Listen to, not the screaming, but now listen to the hypocrisy. We're going to protect the immigrants from immigration. And the president says, fine, I'll send them to you. Go protect them. Oh, no, you don't. It's kind of like that old, um, that old warning, be careful what you wish for. If, why wouldn't they want the immigrants? Stop and think about it. The president said, these are people that came in. I can't send them back to their home countries. Fine, I'll send them to you. Oh, no, you don't. Why wouldn't they want them? Those sanctuary cities created the incentives that drove these people to our border. This, the, the Democrats are saying that the president is playing with the lives of these women and children. No, he's not. If there had been a secure border, they would never have come here and taken that dangerous journey. Not all of them survived the trek, by the way. They wouldn't have come if there were no sanctuary cities. They wouldn't have come if there had been a wall. They wouldn't have come if we had enough ICE agents so people would know that if they make false claims for various benefits, whether it's asylum or whatever, that they would get caught and deported. They would say, I'm not going to do this. We did it with drunk driving. We had a big problem, carnage on the highways. I remember as a kid, I hated to drive on the weekend because you'd have people driving all over the road. I remember the morning after my first solo flight, went out on a date, waiting at a red light, and some drunk plowed into the back of my car. And it was a fairly new car. I had the original Dodge Challenger. Those of you who are car guys, I've always been a car guy. I had a plum crazy Challenger, 1970, waiting at a red light. And this guy in this big Mercury four-door sedan smashed into the back of my car, bent it like a pretzel. I was lucky I was wearing both harnesses. It was a two-piece contraption in those days. Uh, I broke the headrest with my head. The car was totaled, hobbled over to his car. His radiator was blown out. The front of his car was gone. His speedometer stuck at 70 miles an hour. We were on a 45, I believe it was a 45-mile-an-hour road. Blew into me, it almost doubled the speed limit, and I was sitting there waiting at a red light. It used to be a joke. We couldn't get the police to stop, believe it or not. I was on the border between Nassau County and New York City, and cop cars from both sides were driving by, and I'm waving at them. And the the New York cops said, oh, it's Nassau County, and Nassau County said, no, it's New York City, can't stop. And there I am with a wrecked vehicle at the side of the road. Today, of course, it's taken seriously. They've increased penalties for drunk driving. You lose your license. You lose your, you lose your wallet. You lose your car. You're probably going to lose your freedom. They lowered the acceptable blood alcohol level. Law enforcement and the political leaders made it clear that we won't tolerate this insanity. So guess what? The number of drunk driving fatalities dropped significantly. You deter people by sending a clear message. When you have Governor Cuomo of New York State, the state that was hammered the hardest on 9-11, going out there and referring to ICE agents as thugs, when you have sanctuary cities saying we should allow these people to vote and we should give them driver's licenses and we're going to give them free education, it's astonishing. 
I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine. I hope you'll check it out. I spoke about it a week ago. I wrote two articles, one about why this is really a crisis, and I went into some pretty good detail about it. But I also addressed in the article before that is how border, lack of border security makes us sick. In New York and elsewhere, the measles epidemic is, is getting worse and worse. There are now calls for shutting down schools and imprisoning parents who don't uh, inoculate their children. They're being ordered to inoculate their kids or else. Now, I want you to think about what that means. You're being told as a parent, either you inoculate your child or we're going to put you in jail, which would separate the parent from his child. But that's okay because these are American parents, so it doesn't matter. If they were aliens, then there'd be screams in the media. And everyone's jumped all over this, and they said, oh, look at these Americans who won't inoculate their children. All these diseases because of Americans who won't inoculate their children. Did anyone ever stop and say, you know, we have diseases like dengue fever and others that normally are connected with the tropics that we've either never seen in the United States or that we got rid of in the United States decades ago? Why is there a resurgence? I'll tell you why there's a resurgence. You have people entering the United States illegally without inspection. So the requirement that we don't admit aliens with dangerous diseases goes out the window. We don't know they're here. We couldn't stop them. There is no wall. There is no capacity to keep them out. You're excludable if you haven't been inoculated against the measles. Okay, how do you enforce that when people run the border and evade the inspections process at ports of entry? So we have people coming into the United States, perhaps, not all, but some, suffering dangerous communicable diseases, never being inoculated. And who hires them? Stop and think about how many times we hear about this. If we got rid of the undocumented, who would work in the kitchens of our restaurants, right? So you're going to a restaurant. You could have some guy or some gal working in the kitchen who suffers from a dangerous communicable disease, sneezing, coughing, spewing all over your food, and then they bring it out to you, and all I could say is bon appetit. Because if you dare say, wait a minute, we shouldn't be allowing this to take place, you're a racist and a bigot and you're anti-immigrant and you're a hater and you're a xenophobe and you're just plain evil. Not really, not really. And as an immigration agent, we didn't just go out looking for people who were here from Latin America. I spent years where I investigated people from Jamaica, and I did a lot of work on the Israeli mob because I had worked on the terrorism investigations with the Israelis when they had fugitives who came to America, uh, and they were looking for them. I'd get a phone call from the Israeli consul general. They'd say, okay, Mike, we have a guy who's wanted for murder. There was one guy who was wanted for murder. The guy was... Uh, on steroids he belonged to what my partner jokingly called the no neck club this guy had a 25 inch neck or a 24 inch neck you had to see this his neck looked like a tree trunk his arms were bigger than my chest we needed two sets of handcuffs but we eventually got him i looked for this guy for six months he was put on trial for killing a palestinian prostitute that apparently uh, he had gone to brutal murder from what i understand and we found him sent them back to Israel. The Israelis, by the way, unlike some countries that won't even acknowledge their criminals or in the United States or their citizens, Israel actually had their, their police officers come to the United States and they flew them out to Israel on an LL jet, which saved us a ton of money. 
So we had, we had a great working relationship with the Israeli National Police. Uh, what does that have to do with Mexicans? You know, all we keep hearing is the Latino voters want open borders. They want amnesty. No, they don't. If you believe that, you're a bigot. People that believe that Latino Americans are different from all other Americans and have different dreams and aspirations than all other Americans based on their race, by definition, you're a fool and a racist. Americans are Americans are Americans. If you're rational, you want the U.S. government to do three things, at least. Keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. Immigration and border security plays a major role. You know, I've often made the point that while we always talk about the military helping immigration, the point, the fact, immigration helps the military. Because up close and in person, the mission of keeping our enemies as far from us as possible falls to the Border Patrol and then to the ICE agents doing interior enforcement from within the United States. That's how serious this is. So all Americans, if they're rational, want our enemies to be kept as far from us as possible. Want criminals off the street, drugs off the street. They don't want to worry that their children are going to school with gang members. And finally, you want the schools to do a good job of educating our kids so that any American child, irrespective of what I refer to as superficial differences, race, religion, ethnicity, gender, any American kid willing to study hard, work hard, and benefit from a little bit of good luck thrown in for good measure can be the one that writes the next great American success story. We are spending more and more money on English as a second language so instead of getting money for new labs and money for more teachers and money for, for the smaller classes and money for early intervention to help American children with learning disabilities, we keep putting more and more money into English as a second language. Who suffers? American children. Lawful immigrant children are suffering. And when you have a president who finally stands up and says, this is nuts, we've got to stop, look at the reaction. The globalists have sharpened the knives, and they're not going to let up because they're frantic because they know where their bread is buttered. This is a multi-billion, maybe multi-trillion dollar deal for them. Open borders is money. I was testifying at a hearing in the House Judiciary Committee. There was the, the bell rang, and there was, members of Congress had to go vote. And this happens frequently at a hearing. If you've been to hearings, you know the process. The lights flash. The bells clang, and the members get up, and they go vote. So there was a recess in this hearing. And one of the other witnesses was involved with an organization that worked closely with the United States Chamber of Commerce. And he came up to me and he said to me, you need to stop pushing this insanity about border security. Nothing is safe. We always run risks. I said, but that border is our first and last line of defense against criminals, terrorists, and fugitives, against narcotics. He said to me, Mr. Cutler, I'm going to say this to you once and one time only. That border is an impediment to my wealth, and it's got to stop. Took my breath away. I'll spare you what I said to him in return. It got real ugly real quickly. This is what we're up against. And these people are making campaign contributions that are nothing more than bribes. And you finally have a president who's not beholden to the campaign contribution, which is another reason why these people are running to the bathroom, because they don't control the purse strings so they can't bribe the president. Now, I don't always agree with the things he says. I don't always agree with the things that he does. Ed Koch used to say something to the effect that I'm going to get this sideways, but so be it. 
if you agree with me, 60% of the time, vote for me. If you agree with me 100% of the time, see a psychiatrist. You know, we don't have to agree with Trump 100% of the time. But this issue of sovereignty and secure borders is about national security, public safety, public health, and opportunities for Americans. What in the world is wrong with saying that we're going to make certain that we don't let people into the United States who pose a threat to our safety? If you live in a house, I don't care if it's an apartment house or a private house, we all have doorbells and peepholes or closed circuit television cameras. Why? So we can make a conscious decision that when a stranger knocks on the door, rings the bell, announces their presence, we're careful to not let someone into the house who poses a threat to our safety. It's common sense. We lock our door at night. Why? To keep out people who might want to rob the apartment or do physical harm to us. Common sense. Countries are supposed to do that for their citizens. That's what we're talking about. For any politician to say that the border isn't suffering a crisis is delusional or insane or a liar and should not be allowed to continue on in Congress or anywhere else. Jay Johnson, and I was at loggerheads with Johnson's policies frequently, was Secretary of Homeland Security for Barack Obama. And if you read my most recent article, he was crystal clear. He said, yes, there is a crisis on the border. He said, when I was Secretary of Homeland Security, I know what it looked like when we had a thousand illegals per day, and it was a terrible situation. He said, I, don't even ima- I can't even imagine what 4,000 a day looks like. So here's Obama's Secretary of Homeland Security agreeing with President Trump that we have a crisis on the border. And you have Democrats and Republicans. There were Republicans, don't forget it, folks, who said, no, 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 there's no crisis. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. And you have people testifying about how Hezbollah has been working with human traffickers and drug smugglers throughout Latin America to move narcotics into the United States to fund terrorism around the world. And interestingly, the president just declared the Quds forces, the Red Guard, the Iranian elite troops, to be a terrorist organization, and indeed they are. But they've been operating throughout Latin America, especially in Venezuela and in the tri-border region of Brazil. Look where Venezuela is today. And they're moving drugs, they're moving people, and among the people, the sleeper agents. And if you read some of my articles, you will see where I've highlighted instances where Iranian sleeper agents have been arrested inside the United States, some of them caught scoping out potential terrorist locations where they could carry out attacks inside the United States. They're coming across that Mexican border, but it's not a crisis. It's not a crisis. 18 years after 9-11, we were, you know, think back to how many people said, why didn't they connect the dots? How many times did we hear from the leaders, the terrorists only got to get it right once, we've got to be right 100% of the time. Every alien who enters the United States, legally or illegally, provides terrorists the opportunity of getting it right. The terrorists had to come to the United States in order to attack us. And, and then we come to a story that was just published, and I'm contemplating whether or not I'm going to do a piece about it. But here was the Fox News story um, that was just posted um, yesterday, I guess, April 12th. Here's the headline. Honduran man charged with raping and killing jogger in New York, in New Jersey, 
he had been deported twice. And it turns out that the woman that he attacked and then drowned after he raped her um, was herself an immigrant from Peru, which goes back to my point that it's the members of the ethnic immigrant communities who are most at risk from the criminals who ply their trades inside our country but come from other countries. If this guy had not come back to the United States, that woman would still be alive today. So this isn't to say that every immigrant who comes illegally is a criminal or a rapist or a terrorist, but we have no idea. And that, again, is why you look through the people and you say, who's there? And this idea about questioning people who seek entry is universal. That's why knock-knock jokes are told all over the world, because that concept of asking who's there is universal. And I don't care where you live. As long as you live in a building that has a door on the front, it's accepted practice. Someone knocks on the door and you say, who's there? Why? You're screening the person to make sure the person that comes in doesn't hurt you or your family. But when you have a president who says that's what we need to do, immediately the, the yelling starts in xenophobia and racism and bigotry. But it's okay to go after the, the Jewish community and say, well, they're not, they're, they're not inoculating their children. I'm Jewish, and I can tell you there is nothing in Judaism that says you can't be inoculated, nothing at all. In fact, in Judaism, health and, and life is so important, so sacred, that if you're familiar with Judaism, you know we're not allowed to have pork or, or whatever. There is no prohibition against using pig valves, for example, to, um, to help a patient that needs artificial valves to be put in their, in their chest. If there was a medicine that somehow came from a pig, it's acceptable. All of those um, religious laws about prohibitions go out the window. You could ask any rabbi if it's a matter of life and death. It's always on the side of living, always on the side of health. But immediately, all we're hearing about is the Orthodox Jewish community is responsible for the measles outbreak. Really? How about the possibility that people came to the United States who were sick and brought with them that illness that they were suffering from? That's something you're not going to hear in the media. The mainstream media has become... Um, really the ministry of truth right out of George Orwell's 1984. In fact, I would recommend if you get the chance, please read 1984. And when people talk about being politically correct, I'm happy to get on uh, Graham Ledger's program at One American News. He always says the political, the PC police aren't getting in. We've locked the studio doors. No, it's not the PC police folks. It's the thought police. This is a concerted effort to alter the understanding of the issues that the American people have by altering the language. That's the game that's being played. So please be mindful of what it is that we're up against. Please get involved. Please speak to your neighbors. Share information about my program, my articles at Front Page Magazine with as many folks as you can. Be part of my bucket brigade of, of truth. And, and please, as I always like to remind you, remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. I thank you so much for spending this past hour with me. I look forward to uh, joining you again next Friday, hopefully, technical conditions <laughs> permitting. Uh, but meanwhile, have a great weekend and a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. So long for now. <laughs>